following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. So, um, if I want to know you're coming, what I got fruit? And you did good, you did good. I didn't get uh, brought potato chips. I, I will give you chicken. Oh, he's, he's vegetarian. Oh, you don't eat chicken. Oh, okay. Right. Doesn't eat anything that was alive. Yeah. Okay. More so, uh-huh. So, uh, so, the, so the topic is, as we know, this is the season of forgiveness. Um, it's become, it's sort of, the, it's an interesting thing that uh, really if you wrong someone, there's nothing to do with Yom Kippur, nothing to do with anything. You have to, you always need to um, ask forgiveness all year round, 365 days a year. It's sort of the way I view it is Yom Kippur, they, they put the high holidays in the sense of sort of like a deadline because you know we always we tend especially it's a very hard thing to when you admit you did something wrong and you have to go to the person and ask forgiveness it's extremely hard to do that and most people tend to procrastinate and you rationalize well I'm sure you forgave me already you forgot about it yeah. really didn't uh-huh. uh, you know it's, I'm sure it's not a problem mm-hmm. so therefore they, they sort of put like a deadline of Yom Kippur which gives you a chance where you got to do it by this day as we'll see but it's more it's, it's more than that but but uh, as we'll discuss, but that's a key part of it, is sort of a deadline. But it's important to know that the concept of, in general, repentance and um, forgiveness is relevant all year round, not limited to this time of the year, just this was a specific time with human nature. Um, it was a specific time where it's done, and it's sort of a deadline in that sense. So, uh, so the first thing is, one of the key things, and this is a class technically about business ethics, want to focus on that, but one of the key things is that, uh, we, and I'm sure we've mentioned this here many times in the past, but I'll, it's important to mention again, it says that this time of the year is the day of judgment, Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. We view it in the literal sense, that the person is judged, um, we say in the liturgy, Hayom Harat Olam, today is the birthday of the world. It's part of the thing, if you look in your maps, that's oft repeated, especially after the blowing of the show for that statement, today is the birth, the birthday of the world, and what does that mean? Why is it the birthday of the world, the day of Rosh Hashanah? It's because the world was actually created on the 25th day of Elul, um, which which was this past Saturday, and uh, uh, it was the beginning of creation, meaning actually Sunday was the first day of creation. Man was created, as we know, on the sixth day of creation, okay, which is on Friday. Man was created on Friday, um, so six, the sixth day of creation. So the sixth day of creation actually falls out on uh, the Rosh Hashanah, on six days after. The 25th of Elul is the first day of Tishrei, which is our Rosh Hashanah. Therefore, we refer to the creation of man as the birthday of the world, because obviously the purpose of creation was for man. The purpose why the world was created wasn't for um, dinosaurs, it wasn't for you know, uh, salmon, or even for grizzly bears, it was for humans. And that was why God created the world. So therefore, we refer to the day of creation of man as the birthday. And therefore, every year on that day, God revisits his creation and decides, was it worth creating? Was it worth creating man? And therefore, that's, the, that's what's referred to as a day of judgment. So we're all revisited. we sort of audited once a year on Rosh Hashanah. And then Yom Kippur is a day where, um, where it's, seal, it's sealed, so to speak. So we have 10 days to change the judgment to appeal, 10 days of appeals, and then Yom Kippur is the final, uh, ju- is the final sealing of the judgment. But the judgment day is actually Rosh Hashanah. So one of the things it actually says, this is really, as I'm reading it, it's really 
sort of uh, shouldn't be in the sense of it says on a man's on a man's day of judgment, which is really means after 120 years. So that's a different day of judgment after a person dies. Mm-hmm. Also judged, your soul is judged. So one of the key questions there is is did you deal faithfully with integrity in business? Okay, that's a key question. Um, there's a list of five questions, and the, literally the first question that's asked of a person after he reaches the pearly gates is, did you deal with integrity in your business? Business ethics is a key point. Um, and as we'll see, one of the reasons, um, besides obviously, a lot of reasons, but uh, one of the key reasons, and this is what I want to discuss today, is when you sin, when a man sins in business, in a monetary manner, not only in a monetary, not only limited to that, but anytime you sin, what's called bein adam lechavero, between man and fellow man. Because okay, there are two types of sins in the Torah. You know, there are 613 commandments. There's what's called a avera, a sin, ben adam limakom, between man and God. So that's a personal issue. That's between you and God. You work it out. That's that's not anyone else's problem. Okay, so that's also Rosh Hashanah and Kippur is obviously about that. Whatever, you know, sin that may be, well, you know, whatever the issue is, that's your your specific issue between man, man and God. And it, as we're going to see, the, my man, he says, those are the easier sins to deal with. The worst, the harder sins to deal with are what's called sins between man and man. Okay? Sin between what's called ben adam l'chavero. Okay? Ben adam l'chavero, which means a sin between man and fellow man. So those sins are actually harder to repent on and harder to do tshuva on than the sin between man and God. Because man and God... So you know God is merciful. You come to God, you say you sin. He forgives you. That's what your kippah is about. Even though you did the same thing last year, you did, you did it two years ago, same sin. But God is God understands human nature, and therefore He's easy. He's merciful, and uh, and He allows tshuva. Tshuva is easy with God. The problem is when you're dealing with your, a sin between man and fellow man. So it's much more serious because very nice. You can go to God. God could forgive you, and you could repent to God. The problem is if the person you wronged. You never rectified the wrong, whether you stole money from him. Like we said, you didn't, you didn't deal in business properly with that person. Or if you just insulted them, whatever the case is, you said Lashonara about them. Whatever it may be, but if you wronged another human being, God can't forgive you. You can repent all they want. You can fast for two years straight. You know, have Lent and, uh, and do whatever you can. You know, give you know, $100,000 to charity. It's still not going to help. Because as long as that person still feels wrong, your, your repentance is worthless. Okay, so unless you go and to that person who you wrong and rectify the wrong monetarily, emotionally, psychologically, and ask for forgiveness, you, you never get to first base. You can stay in shul for five Yom Kippur straight. You can be fast for five days straight. It's not going to help. Because if that person is still hurting, God can't do anything about it. Okay, so, so that's what I want to focus on. But so that, how serious that aspect is, much more serious people think Shabbat or violated Shabbat terrible sin yes violated this yeah but that's all God can forgive for that. the issue is when when um, when uh, someone violates again when someone wrongs a fellow man that's a much more serious sin as we're going to see okay so now the question also becomes there are certain cases obviously it's a very uncomfortable situation it's very nice it's nice to talk about it every Yom Kippur yeah you can ask forgiveness send out a mass email can you please forgive me that's beautiful but the, the end of the day, it's a very hard thing to actually ask for real forgiveness, to go to someone. Um, it's demeaning, obviously, and we'll see that may even be part of the process. 
it's embarrassing, and many times, what happens in cases where the person doesn't even know you did anything wrong to them? So you're going to go and, and say something to them, what do you do then? They don't even know. You're going to end up hurting them more if you go and ask them for forgiveness. So you're going to come. This guy doesn't even know. You spoke Lush and about him. Or you messed him up in business. You stole his customers, whatever the case is. He has no idea you even did that to him. So now you're going to come to him and say something. With your repentance, you might end up hurting the person. Because he has no idea he was even hurt. Now he's going to find out. So what do you do in situations like that? So the question I want to discuss when one even has... There are certain cases where you don't have to ask for forgiveness. I want, to, I want to address those also. So it's a very, the first, so the two uh, just scenarios that I have here is one is scenario number one, where I'm cheating on one where it says, how would you respond? So scenario number one is you made a disparaging remark behind the back of a close friend in public. So in shul, you were schmoozing with the crowd and you said something uh, bad about this guy. Okay, upon reflection, you feel terrible, you have not acted loyally and perhaps caused your friend damage. You want to do what's correct and apologize to your friend. But you fear by telling him what you said, you will sever the relationship completely and cause him pain. So this is the question. Should I go ahead and apologize or not? That's scenario number one. Meaning, if by going and apologizing to him and asking for forgiveness, I'm going to end up causing him more pain. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's question number one. So what would you say in that scenario? Me? Dave, yeah. Well, I don't know. Does does, um, compassion trump forgiveness? If you're going to hurt somebody at the same time as you ask them for forgiveness, should you just not do that? I don't That's think the you question. should. question. You think you Scotty, what are you saying? What are you saying, Scotty? Well, here's the deal. Here's the way I'm thinking. Swallow of. first. If you say, Hasbrashalom, you say, Lashon Aram, and they don't know. So is the sin really between you and that person, or is the sin you saying the shanara? You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if, if the sin is, is if there's more to the sin, if I'm hurting somebody else that I've said upon it, it oh, but if this, that, that sin, though, really because that person doesn't know, I'm really... Saying it's like if a tree falls in the forest, no one hears. Mm-hmm. So if he didn't hear my Lashonara, there was maybe no. there was no sin. No, 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 no. Maybe there's there was no sin between sin, God. But maybe it wasn't the between sin is between man. me and God versus so me and that very person. person. Yeah. And and having said that, maybe then I can do my tshuva. I mean, you and God. With maybe you just stayed with God. Or or yeah. doing tshuva with that person in mind, giving sadaka and something in that person's name. Because if that person then finds out, maybe then it causes an additional sin that you know that mm. person I give that person the right to sin against me because of regret or, or, or maybe saying something but right. so I don't know that's so I'm, I'm interested that's a good to point so you're go. saying okay so we'll get to it that's a good point any any thoughts no, my, my feeling is that what was the impact on that person what what was their reaction how did they feel about it well they didn't hear that's the, that's the question they, they, they didn't even know they didn't even know you spoken badly about them in the synagogue so you cursed out the aware. rabbi the rabbi didn't hear he was at the kiddush the rabbi was uh, talking something and you said oh the rabbi's sermon today is terrible it should be uh, you know the rabbi did this did you hear so the rabbi has no idea you spoke about him well, I'm just picking on rabbis but anyway right so the question is do I now go do I still have to ask forgiveness and let him know he doesn't even know I did something bad so that's the question. It didn't, it, meaning, it, now there's two issues. After that question, what's called, did it affect him or not? So the question is, listen, if it's a, usually if you're talking about someone, especially it could be in business, it, your, your speech has an effect. You give the guy a bad reputation. Okay, the rabbi, everyone's now talking about the rabbi, what he did wrong. 
So even if he doesn't know about it, it still might have an effect on him. So that's why I don't necessarily, Scotty, in your situation, yeah. it's still two steps. Meaning, even if he didn't hear about it, it doesn't mean it didn't affect him. Meaning, my my speaking lashon hara about mm. the person mm-hmm. could have usually it has an effect. Right? If I go and say this guy, don't do business with this guy. He's terrible. Okay, that's lashon hara. Or I said the rabbi's sermon yesterday was terrible. So next sermon next week, a lot of people are going to be going going out when the rabbi is giving the sermon because I said that. So it has an effect on him. He might not know. He doesn't know why people are walking out next week during the sermon. But it's because you, last week you said that the sermon was the rabbi's gives terrible sermon. Okay, so so it could have an effect. Now you're right. That might be what it depends on. Did it have? Does it have? Did it have an effect on him or not? If it never had any effect, so maybe you're right. Maybe it's just between you and God. I guess maybe expand that to modern day times. How social media kills and kill people. We we see so much, and in my business, we tell people to avoid saying disparaging remarks. And the Court of Ethics says we don't talk ill about one of our own. Right. So so yeah, there's, there's no question. This whole situation is amplified by social media in the sense of mm-hmm. today it used to be, you know, okay, so I told one person, the rabbi gave a bad sermon. Today you put it on your blog and, or your Facebook page and immediately within, uh, you know, the half hour you can have 500 people saw that. Right? I have, I have mm-hmm. 2,346 friends on Facebook. Okay, so if I post something on Facebook mm-hmm. that Scotty is an idiot, like within, you know, that means 2,300 people within one click. 2,346 people now know that not to hire Scotty ever. Okay, which I did post it. <laughs> so, so I'm saying, so you understand so how the, this, this I just want to point this out. Social media has taken the, the, this issue of defaming someone, of Moti Shamra, Lashanara, of, of saying something bad, and amplified it thousandfold. Because now there's no way you can pull that back. Listen, I could repost on Facebook. By the way, sorry, I made a mistake. But through these people, every other person might have tweeted it out now to their 300 friends on their tweet list. So it's within 20 minutes. Yeah, we're talking about within 20 minutes. You know, you could have 3,000 people knowing about this, and you can never do anything better. So that's a whole different issue. Social media, how you have to be very careful when you click. Can I say something here? Well, the Huffet- I read one of the Huffet Times books or a book about his sayings and it says in there that three people are harmed when Lashon Hara is spoken. The person who said it, the person who heard it, and the person that was talked about because if then if it goes on, if that person says, it's like the story about the, the right. rabbi telling the guy with the feathers and the pillow, you know, go back and get him. So I, I go up to Scott and everything's together and I say... <laughs> I need to tell you something, You're Scott. So good nature. Please don't men- repeat what I'm telling you, right? And I tell him something in confidence. It's a fact. It's a fact. And it might but it's be- still a genre. Right, but do I have the responsibility still to go to the person and say, look, I, what I said to him? Yes, if confidence. you said something derogatory, yeah. The well, fact that you said true. it kind of I mean, what if it's irrelevant. Lajanar is oh, whether it's it? true. If it's derogatory statement, unless it's what's called a toilet, that means if you were doing it to help him, because let's say he was going to business with this guy you know yeah, ripped exactly. off six partners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that you're allowed to say, because you're saving him from from mm-hmm. uh, falling into a trap. Or you can watch but I'm saying if you're just telling him some juicy gossip, even if it's true, that's probably... I don't, I don't think you should marry, this, your daughter should marry this guy uh, because he's... Yeah, yeah exactly. That, it's but then I don't need to go to that guy and say, I'm sorry. That right. No, then you don't. Because okay. that's, that's not Lashnar. Lashnar means... You're saying you're saying gossip. Gossip means for no purpose. If there's a purpose, meaning you you're preventing a loss, guys going to business with him or guys marrying someone, that's different.
course, there's criteria. There's rules on how to apply that, but not for now. I got it. Okay. A second scenario, yeah. But back to your question then. So are you saying, number one, are you saying then that if if, if your friend doesn't know that you said something, but you still have to go and tell them? I didn't say it. I just the question. Okay. Pause the question. We didn't get Okay. You you haven't given the answer yet. We got another half hour to go. (laughs) (laughs) We just give it away. Punchline. So serious scenario number two. Very. This is an actual case. You know the person. Please don't say. Um, this actually, I was asked this question. Uh, this by a woman. Actually, I wasn't. My wife was asked the question by a woman. My wife asked me the answer. Um, so my wife was giving a similar class to this. Uh, this is around eight nine years ago. And after the class, a woman approached her with this this exact scenario. A woman had an adulterous affair many years ago. She's currently happily married. Has never told her husband. Should she broach the subject with her husband and ask forgiveness? Okay, so this is obviously a touchy situation. So you have this woman came to the wife and said, listen, this is the story. Wife gave a class on forgiveness that you have to go approach the person you wronged. And she said, well, what should I do? This is my situation. Mm-hmm. Do, I, do I approach, do I tell my husband? We're happily married, it's five years after the affair. He knows nothing about it. No so Scott is saying no way. Yeah, I'd say no way too. Shalom, no way. It, you know, because the way that a man would respond no to something like that, it wouldn't be worth the trouble. It wouldn't be. And I don't know if that's no. But the, the question is, tshuva. The question yeah. is, how do I do tshuva? I mean, I wronged someone. I, I violated my relationship. How do I repent? Repentance. The first step of repentance is the person has to forgive you. If it's we're saying between man and fellow man. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? So I'm stuck for the rest of my life. I can never repent. Right. What do you do? I'm assuming the Touch adulterer's the relationship was her being the adulterer with her husband. She didn't, it wasn't with her husband. Was it before she was married? So she with was her with husband, another? it's not adultery. Man and wife are not adultery. She was married and had an affair mm-hmm. during yes. marriage, not yes. prior. Prior is not an affair. Right. Well, it is if the man was married. No, no but no. this is, a, this no is not what the... Right, she violated her marriage. She wronged yeah. her husband. Okay. Okay. So you're saying no, you, you don't count. I'm saying someone buys, it's got to depend on them. So let's see. Okay, it's not giving the answer. But I mean, from, from a practical perspective, you tell, woo. Okay, so let's read some Maimonides. So these, these are touchy situations. Um, and so let's read some Maimonides. Um, just by the way, in that situation, I didn't know the end. My wife, this woman comes to my wife after the class. She has to, to speak to her privately. So my wife calls me up. My wife calls me up. And uh, my wife calls me up. I don't, by the way, I don't know who it was. She never I'm told kidding me. you. you don't no, I'm saying my wife's never told me. She's confident. Mm-hmm. She couldn't. She couldn't. She has no reason to tell me. Mm-hmm. So my wife calls me up in a panic, which I tell her. So I said, I don't know. I never. So I called the uh, big emphasis in Chicago. Who I call sometimes the question. And I, I didn't know the answer either. I'll tell you what he said too. Well, let's yeah, let's find out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear that. So now let's skip down to number two here. Uh, um, so first of all, yeah, it says like this. Tshuva and Yom Kippur can only atone. This is my manly speaking. Roman numeral number two. Very important, my manly. My manly says like this. Tshuva and Yom Kippur can only atone. This is what we said, but I want to hear not from me, but from my manly. Can only atone for sins that man commits against God, such as eating non-kosher, etc. Is my manly's words. However, when a man commits a sin against his fellow man by injuring him, comma, cursing him or robbing him, he is not forgiven until he pays his debt and appeases the injured party. Okay? That means, for number one, there's two parts to it. It's very important, and I put it in both. There's appeasement and forgiveness. It's two different things. One is, I need to come 
and first of all, correct the wrong. So it means if I stole money from someone, I need to, step number one is I got to give back the money. Okay? N- number two, or if I uh, punched someone in the face and gave him a black eye, I need to pay his medical bills. Right? That's, so that's, there's, there's compensation. There's actually three steps involved there. Compensation, appeasement, and then he forgiveness. Okay? So it's very important to understand these three steps. Even after he compensates for the damage done. So number one is I can't get the first base unless there's compensation. I need to compensate for the wrong I did. Number two is he must appease him and then ask him for forgiveness. Okay, so there's three steps. Says Maimonides, Rambam, even if his offense was only verbal, so let's say he didn't include any, there was no monetary damage, it was verbal, he must persevere until the offended party forgives him. That doesn't get you off the hook because you know many times, hey, you just said something. You know, uh, people understand, you know, we talk negatively about them. Says Maimonides, no, even if it's just verbal, you need to go to the offended party. The injured party refuses to forgive him. Let's say you went to the guy and you lowered yourself, you demeaned yourself, you're asking forgiveness, and he refuses to forgive. You should appear before him with his three close friends and ask for forgiveness. So part of it is, it's a process. Just because the guy said no, doesn't mean you're off the hook. You still have to come back with, says, bring three people with you as like a bed in, so to speak, and then ask him again. Um, if he still refuses, you should repeat this process a second and third time. And then, after the third time, if he still refuses to forgive, you should leave him then you're, then you're, his memories, then you did your job. And he refuses to forgive as a sinner. At that point, mm-hmm. if he doesn't want to forgive you, so it's his problem. Listen, you try it again, it has to be sincere. You can't just send him an email three times, you know, plus yeah. click three times, yeah. you know, every two minutes. Say, you forgive me? No. no. Do you forgive this only me? No. applies to business. No. Well, well there's certain everything. things you can never grant somebody forgiveness for. We'll, we'll right? talk about those, but it's not only business. But it's not only business, it's anything. I spoke last an hour about someone. What mm-hmm. about if I murder your daughter? Uh, you're not not you're never gonna forgive me for that. Mm, doesn't mean there 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 are people not, who forgive. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Well. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't agree with you on that. Listen, it's very hard to forgive. The question that's a different question also. Someone killed someone. The forgiveness needs to be from the victim. Just because the parents or the siblings forgave doesn't mean you're forgiven. Because the, the, the victim was well, right. Stands, so you can never get forgiveness in the true sense over there. Okay. Okay, but if the injured, so the injured offended party is his teacher, so one must return even 1,000 times. So if it's, we're talking about a Rebbe, it doesn't mean a teacher, it means someone who's what's called your Rebbe, Rebbe Muvak, it's a question what type of Rebbe, um, but that's even, it says you, that you're never off the hook. You've got to even ask 1,000 times until forgiveness is granted. That's a side parenthetical statement. The point is here, Memani is saying an unbelievable thing, as we said, that a sin between man and fellow man, God, it's not God. You could only come to God. Yom Kippur can only help you. What is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is the day we wipe the, the, the slate clean. They call it dry cleaner for the souls, for the soul, right? But that's only after you've gone to your friend. If you haven't <coughs> fixed the wrong with your friend and he hasn't forgiven you, you can. God's not going to help. God can't get involved. It's only after that step. Now you now you can rectify the part of God. So now why is this true? Why is it worse? Um, so, so I've seen in different different explanations. One I quoted here it says a sin number three, sin against fellow man is actually worse than a sin between man and God. So why is that? So why would you say a sin between a few things? Listen, who's worse? Listen, I didn't take out the garbage. My wife told me to take out the garbage, or so I sinned against my wife, or I sinned against God. Which is the worst sin? Obviously, the wife's going to say the sin against the wife is worse. But why is it a worse sin? You think sinning, God said don't do something, or your wife told you not to do something. Which one is worse? You think God is worse. Right, but we're saying here, no, my man is saying it's worse sin, man against man, 
is worse against your fellow man than God. Because if a sin doesn't get rectified, God, God will rectify your sin if you're sincere. Okay, he can wipe those clean. But if, a, if man between man doesn't rectify, that thing's going to linger forever. For, forever and ever. And then, you know, you got to come back to fix it. So, I, I don't know. So maybe there's something to that man be man. Because, I don't know. Okay, so that's, a, that's an interview. But you're saying if you don't get the forgiveness, it can linger forever. But the now, point the is, if you do the process. Right. So no, but no, say if I did the proper process and I sincerely went, I could rectify it. Either he forgives me or three times he doesn't forgive me. I'm off the hook. So well, then, then it's rectified. Then because right. but so, it is rectif- so it is rectifiable. Well, it's not rectified. It then comes on the other person. So it's actually, it's not necessarily rectified. No, but as far as my, I did my job. Yeah. I'm off the hook, technically. That's what the wrong thing is. Right, and you're say. not doing your job if you don't get it rectified. Yeah, but I'm saying you're not, so you're not explaining why it's worse. Because they're both rectifiable. Either God forgives me or the man forgives me. So why is it worse? Why is a sin between a fellow man worse than a sin to God? Well, it might be harder to rectify. True. You know, I need there's more process involved. Well, Rabbi, isn't would it be because you're really sinning against both? Oh, so that's, because so you got that's God's a, commandments, right? That's what he so says here, right. So Rabbi Hanan, a few people I've found say that's how they explain it. Because the violation against man is both. He includes both violations. If I yeah. sin against God, so I didn't keep Shabbos. Okay, that's me and between me and God. It was a great sin, but I, now God forgives me. Here, there's two sins involved. There's the one action you sinned against, because God also doesn't want you to hurt your fellow man. So if I hurt my fellow man in any which way, whether it's monetary, lashonar, whatever it is, or I punched him in the face, so there's two sins involved, technically. I sinned against God, and I sinned against fellow man. Yeah. So every, inherently, the sin is a worse sin. That's number one. Okay, now, so so, next statement is a very scary statement. I just want to discuss it for two minutes um, before we get to the to the good stuff. But the next statement is very scary. The the, the simple it's a, it's a mission in tract at Yuma. The mission in tract at Yuma says that like we like like Maimonides quoted, codified it that if one that Yom Kippur only helps for the sins against um, man and God. doesn't help for the sins of your fellow man until you first go to your fellow man for forgiveness. That's what the mission says. So this interpretation was written by a, a Mekubal, lived in the, I think, 16th century um, Spain, I believe. His name was Rishaya Pinto. He actually has a great-great-grandson who had the same name alive today, um, who's, a, who's a famous guy. Also, his name is Rabbi Pinto. So actually, he's James LeBron's rabbi. James LeBron goes to him for uh, blessings. For any business deal, he goes, meets this rabbi to get uh, okay LeBron for his business. LeBron, LeBron James, James, yes. Basketball James LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> James okay. LeBron. So he goes, he goes to this guy to get... Yeah, there's a lot of stars, non-Jewish stars, who actually use this rabbi. He's the wow. same name as Rabbi Pinto. Anyway, he's an interesting fellow. Um, he's a young guy. He's in his maybe low 40s now. He's in the news a lot lately. But anyway, he's an interesting fellow. Um, so people, a lot of the Hollywood stars uh, consult with him before making any deals. You know why? But that's that's what it that's says on TMZ. That's what TMZ. Is. <laughs> okay. So now um, the the point is, so he says a, a very scary statement. He he says he interprets the Mishnah in Yuma. That's he says the Mishnah says Yom Kippur doesn't work for sins between man and fellow man. He says it doesn't mean only man between fellow man. He says unbelievable statement. What he says is 
that if you don't go and take care of your sins between man and fellow man, none of your sins, even your sins between man and God, will not be forgiven. He says, until you rectify, if you hurt a fellow man, he says, until you go ahead and rectify that, this is how he interprets the mission, then none of your sins can be forgiven. So you can pray, fast for three days, go to Shalom Kippur. Yeah. None of your sins will give for even your sins between man and God. Very unbelievable statement. And why? Doesn't make any sense. Why? Why would that be? Because you're not clean. It's lingering around. You still have the sin. Ah, so, so the simple interpretation would be, I think, like Scotty's saying that the issue is it's sort of like your your since Bring your, your sins between man and man are all, are all between God also. So I'm coming to God. I'm Yom Kippur. I'm saying, listen, I, I you know I didn't did this this year. I didn't put on tefillin. I didn't like Shabbos kosher, whatever it is. You know, please forgive me. Very nice, but God, but what about all the other sins? If you're not serious about rectifying your other sins that are also between man and God, so God is like, listen, there's no halfway. You can't come to God and say, oh, I'm only worried about these sins, not about those sins. So if you didn't go to your friend to for, to, for forgiveness, then you're stuck with all your sins. Because God is no uh, black and white. Either come and you have remorse on everything, or you have, re- you know, right, so that's, what he, that's one interpretation. The other interpretation, so which is even more fascinating, this is an interesting interpretation. In his, to explain what he means, he says like this. Um, I don't remember exactly what he said it, but he said the point was that the whole concept of tshuva, forgiveness, is irrational. What does it mean? I, I did something I wrong. I, I did something wrong. I did the action. You can't take back an action, right? If I violated, uh, you know, like you said, I killed someone. God forbid, right? I can. What does tshuva help? God would go. God forgives me. Okay. Well, it doesn't. The whole thing. Forget fellow man. Even listen between you and God. You did the action. Say, I ate pig. Okay, I ate pork. So well, I can't change that. Yeah. Now part of my body. It's, it's, it was because I sit in Shul and Kippur now all of a sudden it's forgiven. The whole thing is irrational. Okay? So, so, so he explains that the whole thing is the kindness of God. God instituted the world. Really, the truth is irrational. The concept of repentance doesn't make sense. But God instituted because uh, he understood the world can't exist. And therefore, out of his kindness, he said, okay, in certain cases, I'm going to forgive people. But when does he forgive people? This is very important to know. No, it's meaning he usually we, we're supposed to emulate God. But in this case, it's God emulates us. That means if I show that I feel bad about another human being, what I did to him, and that person now goes and forgives the other person, the person that I wronged forgives me, so now God has to forgive me. God, has, God sees, listen, if the, mm-hmm. if the human's forgiving him, and I gotta forgive. So now God's gonna go ahead and forgive you on all your sins. But it's only after that first step that God has to see that as humans we forgive. That's why it's very important, this concept of, it says, everything in tshuva, when you come to Shul and Kippur, you want to show God, that's who, you want to be merciful. Because just as you could tell God, listen, just, if, just like I forgave this guy, he wronged me, I'm a merciful person, I forgave my wife, I forgave my kid, or my, you know, my sister-in-law, whatever fight you had this year. So you're showing God, listen, I'm, I, I, could, I can be a forgiving person, so therefore God also f- now doesn't have an excuse, he has to forgive me. Because if you're forgiving, God, it's what's called Mida connected Mida. God now says, listen, if this person uh, gives staka, they feel bad for poor people, so I'll provide for them. If this person is a forgiving person, they're slow to anger, <coughs> and I'll be slow to anger with them. So God sort of emulates, it's interesting, humans in that case, that's another explanation. But it's important to know this, we want to, all the things we're asking from God, we ourselves want to have that attribute. Because if we're, you know, we don't, if we hold a grudge, so God says, listen, you're holding a grudge against that person, so why shouldn't I hold a grudge against you? Okay, so it's a very important, interesting 
God mirrors our attributes. It's kind of like a reinforcement right. almost, isn't it? It's like a reinforcement of behavior. I mean, this is the behavior yeah. God expects, and if we treat one another like that, then he will reinforce right. one Meaning, way or the yeah, other. Yeah, you want me to be nice to you, so you got to be nice to someone else. If you're not nice, so why should I be nice to you? So the same thing, if I'm forgiving, meaning if I felt like I wronged someone, therefore I got that person to forgive me, so now God said, okay, so then I can forgive you on your sin, on all your sins, so to speak. So that's another explanation. It's an interesting uh, point. But... Uh, so now I want to get to where situations we've discussed before, just getting back to our scenarios, of situations where you don't have to forgive. Okay, there are certain instances, let's say like he brought up one of us, someone murders, God forbid a family member, gets murdered in someone's family. Do they have to forgive? How, how does that work? Okay, so, so number one is, which is fascinating, the, the Jerusalem Talmud, the Talmud Yushami says, Moti Shemra, that's a form of Lashon Hara, that means if I defame someone, you don't have to forgive that person because like we said before it's, it's like the Facebook case if I post something on my Facebook where I tweet out a message and I have 3,000 friends that are now saw this and now they're tweeting you could never f- forgive part, forgiveness is not just I forgive you forgiveness means you have to rectify the wrong and like you said before the story with the pillow it's, there are certain cases where it's not possible to rectify the wrong in a case where the person didn't rectify the wrong I don't have to forgive it Okay, so therefore, any case of Moti Shema, that means if I went and defamed, I said this guy's business, do not do business with this guy, he's terrible. Mm-hmm. And I defamed it again, where it wasn't true. That's called Moti Shema. I, I defamed him, defamatory statement where it wasn't true. If it's true, and I'm allowed to say it in certain instances because I'm preventing people from losing money. But assuming it's not true, so I just wanted, I, hate, I had a grudge against this guy and I went around yeah. and said, don't do, no one should do business. So I, have, I put on, you know, my Facebook don't go into the store, it's the worst service possible. Okay, and it wasn't true. So that person, the store, the shopkeeper, never has to forgive me. He's not obligated. It's a nice thing. It's the Shulchan Aruch Stosan, the man, he says, it's what's called a Midat Chasidut. It's, it's above and beyond the Lord. He should be, again, if you want to come to Shulchan Kippur and asking God forgiveness, so you want to be a forgiving person. But you have no obligation to forgive, okay, in that situation, because there's no way to rectify the wrong. If I can retract all the tweets and all the Facebook posts and if there's a way to do that maybe yes then it's retracted maybe then I can post and then have everyone that saw it retract and make sure and confirm that everyone but it's almost impossible therefore says the Yushalmi it's impossible you don't have to forgive okay can I ask a question here but you're talking oh I'm sorry you're talking about slander though versus something that's true is there a difference then in yeah, this case right here between, true. I mean, what's true and said and what isn't true, because, you know, that's No, so if it's true, then it's not different. slander. So slander, no, again, we're talking about, about slander yeah, here. Not me, but you don't you're showing me. The Gemara yeah. is saying, right, well, oh, if I you mean, damage someone's yeah. reputation, if it's true, then, then you, had, you might have had a right, again, okay. the situation. I'm, I'm asking this as a question. Is this Jew on Jew, or is this Jew to any human being. Well, the wronging someone is, is any human being. Specifically, Lashon Hara, by the way, is, it might only be prohibited for Jews. Not Moti Shema, defaming, defamatory, okay. slander. You can't ruin someone's business Here's with speech. Here's why I ask, and yeah. I'll be very specific. On Facebook and Twitter, with today's environment politically, there are things that I know I have said that perhaps are true, perhaps are my you opinion, Facebook? that are not favorable to the current administration. Okay. Yeah, but that's, so that's now excellent. immediately if I put it in, I'm, one of my quotes was, this guy sucks. Alright? Whether or not that, yeah, what does that, that mean? That's so different. What I, what First of all, that's an opinion. Is, First of all, that's an opinion. Okay, but Second is of all, him? Is it, no, so I'm saying, saying is how it, would I repent? And you have to know if it's say, true. 
And <laughs> second of all, you no, know, but you see what I'm saying. I mean, they're, they're, so I don't know. Politi- politics is first of all different. Everyone knows, in a certain sense, po- political statements. No, that are yeah, they're. I went to XYZ restaurant and my service was horrible. Right. And I push send, well, and it's the truth. Tr- it's the truth. I've but seen, I'm defaming. I've seen that on Facebook. I'm, I'm, I'm ruining the reputation of XYZ restaurant that I was in. So again, so now I'm if it's true and you intent, there's a whole criteria. We're not going to get into it. Of when you're allowed to say something that's true. Again, if it's false, if your intent was really to prevent people from getting bad service, and and it's really true, and, and I mean it wasn't so just a one-time act. No, then you have a, you might have a right to do that. Listen, okay, the, right. the food's terrible. Food's terrible. I'm allowed to say the food's terrible if it really always is. Even if and my intentions are because I had a bad meal and I feel bad, and I, it makes me feel better by no, putting it on. As long as your your intent, meaning your intent, <laughs> your can't, be, can't be because you have a grudge against the person. Well, then why else would you post them? My service. No, people do that all the time. You know, I ate tonight. The service was terrible. You mean, again, if but again, the intent. There's a whole list of criteria which we're not getting. The laws, the laws of Lashonara now. That's a different question. Be the question is in the laws of Lashonara. Would you be better off though, if maybe not tipping them, they're going out and destroy and destroying the reputation 100%, 100%. of the restaurant? Well, I don't know. No, today, by the way, there's reviews. Then you're the, the every website, yeah, by the way, server. today, every business or today has reviews online. Yeah, and and right. and you, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure there's a prohibition in reviewing something. No. And Whether it's good food or not, or it's good service, okay. I'm saying that's how businesses work today. You're allowed to say, but defamation meaning I, if I'm a competitor and I'm going on their website and reviewing it bad just because I want them to lose business, that's defamation. That's slander. That's where we're saying that's that's prohibited, and you might even have to pay monetary damages in the case of. See, this is confusing to me, Rabbi. Wait one second. We're, go- we're getting off tangent. We, we want to discuss this is forgiveness, not whether what you're allowed to post or not. That's a different no, no, no. question. So do I ask forgiveness to Obama? So I'm saying, so that's a different the question. I told you, political statements, I think everyone knows, are puffed up. And yeah, no, that's the way. I it's post, rhetoric. I it's all rhetoric. No I one's listening a, to you. a funny cartoon that is derogatory. Okay, I know about, I've done those. About Obama? About a, whoever. Whoever, let's say Obama, because no, I'm, I'm saying, sure so I've done politics, it. politics, there's two but things. It's, it's One, horrible. There's another thing, by the way. I shouldn't have done it, but One it's second. funny. There's another thing, is, which is that if something is public knowledge, there's no okay, Russian heart. That's not defamation. So meaning, if there's three, right, once three people are talking about it already, that's, that's public knowledge, and there's no, no concept of Russian heart defamation. So okay. it's a different Okay, here's my question. It's on topic. Now, if you're saying that if I post something that is, I, it, it's completely false about somebody, then you don't have the responsibility. Let's say I post something terrible about, about you, which Rabbi Grossman. I forgive you, I forgive you. Uh, it's false and whatever. You don't have to forgive me. Under that right. slander. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's slander. what you shall be saying, yes. If, if I'm a good daughter, guy, I would forgive you anyway. But if I, according to what, if I kill your daughter, then you have to forgive me. No, I didn't say that. I never said that. No, we didn't say that. I never said that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. No, 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 that's not what you said, though. Not yet, I didn't say that. I don't know, yeah, I'm not sure. It's a good question. I don't know the answer to the killing someone's daughter. No, I'm saying you don't have, I don't think you have to forgive. In that case, you can, like you said. You only have to forgive when the situation is rectified. We're going to talk about that in a second. Okay. okay. So, like you said, it's impossible to rectify the situation. Therefore, you 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 don't have to forgive in that situation. But God can forgive you for that. No, God okay. can't until the person forgives. You are the fellow human being. So God's forgiveness doesn't. God can't forgive until 
to, okay. to tell you. So the person's dead, so you can't get. Well, you can go to the gravesite. Gonna, there is ways, by the oh, way. The oh, Maimonides okay. does talk about what happens yeah. if so you wrong someone and they die. So they're supposed, you're supposed to bring 10 people to the gravesite oh, okay. and, and ask for forgiveness. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. I just heard uh, a rabbi colleague who he wrote an article, very interesting, in a journal, um, just to show you that he sounds like some Kabbalistic thing, but it's nice. It's done today. There was a rabbi who is uh, a head of some organization in New York related to YU. It's called the Center for the Jewish Future. And he published, he's a scholar and part of his things, publishes letters and articles in the journal. He took a, a rabbi who died in the 50s, a big rabbi who lived in Switzerland. He published his personal letters. And in those personal letters, this rabbi had said some derogatory things, personal things. And people complained, like, Rodin, how could you do this? You're defaming. Makes the rabbi look bad, like okay. it's personal opinion. So he, in the next journal, it's an unbelievable thing, beautiful thing, just to show you how he really serious about Jewish. He published an article. He defended why he published the letters. He felt like they had to be published, but he said, I hear the, my criticism and I might have done something wrong. He said he flew to Israel, went to the grave of this rabbi in Israel, and, and he asked for forgiveness. He wrote the exact language that he said at his gravesite. He said he took a million. He, I don't know, he didn't say he took a million, but he went to his gravesite and he asked for forgiveness because he maybe shouldn't have published his private letter. He said, listen, I, I accept the criticism. Beautiful thing. Meaning to, for a rabbi, especially a rabbi, to admit that he's wrong. Not easy. Yeah. Rabbis but to go admit, and make so that attempt is really yeah, something anyway in and of itself. Yeah, so, it is. So this is even today. So that's my mind. He says, if you wrong someone, the person dies, you need to go to the gravesite, gravesite and ask for okay. with mm -hmm. a minion. Okay, so now turn, turn to the back here. Some other scenarios where you don't have to forgive. So one is, let's say the person owes you money. Someone owes you money and they're refusing to pay or they're denying their debt. Says my manalis, you don't have to forgive. If there's a chance of recovering that debt, you need to, you don't forgive the person, you, you go after your debt. You're not obligated to forgive. That's interesting. Yeah, okay, number C. Another scenario would be if he fears the episode will repeat itself and he'll become a repeat offender. So I know, meaning this guy, listen, last year he asked for forgiveness. Then he does the same thing. This usually happens in marriage a lot. <laughs> and then the person says it again, does the same thing again, okay, and then forgive him again. So, listen, if I know you're just going to go ahead and do it again, <coughs> I have no obligation to forgive you. Again, forgiveness means you have true remorse. The person's coming to you with true remorse, and they're saying they're not going to do it again. If they're going to be a repeat offender, I have no obligation to forgive. That says, that's the Mishnah Brewer says. Another, another scenario would be if, let's say I'm withholding forgiveness with the intent to reform for the, for the sake of that person, meaning, let's say it's a, especially well, with the teenagers many times, you know, kids, kids, or even a spouse. Meaning, I know if I just forgive, you know, the, the husband comes home and says, you know what, I sinned, I went to this bar, and the woman there, right? So the wife knows, unless she puts, she puts her foot down, he's just going to do it again. For the sake, meaning she's ready to forgive him, maybe. But if she doesn't, if she's too nice and too forgiving, person, you know, it's not going to help. If she wants to reform his conduct, or his or her, whatever the case may be. So you have to, that's also a reason, that if that's your intent, you're also not allowed to forgive. You don't have to forgive for that. Okay, now what, going back to our original scenario with the affair, or even the first, both, both are scenarios, which is a question of, what happens if I'm going to cause pain to the person, the person has no idea I sinned against them, either a case yeah. of an affair, like we said, the wife, this real case scenario, or I spoke Lajanara about the person, the person has no idea. If I go and approach them for forgiveness, I'm going to hurt them. They don't know I was speaking. The whole year I was cursing them out, speaking behind their back, posting about them on Facebook. They have no clue. They don't have a Facebook account. They're not friends with me. 
they don't know I'm going to go and tell them about it because I want to do tshuva so what do you do so this by the way is an unbelievable story the first time yesterday in my life I heard the story it was actually an argument two opinions between the Chavetz Chaim who wrote the book on Lashon Hara and Rabbi Yisrael Salanter who is the founder of the Muslim movement unbelievable story I'll tell you the story the first time I never knew this I heard about it yesterday the first time the story is like this the, the Chafetz Chaim as we know wrote the book his name was Yisrael Radin was his real name his name we call him Chafetz Chaim because that was the name of his book on the laws of Lashon Hara so he wrote the first book it was, it's an intricate book because you know it's around the almost four it's a huge book very detailed on every scenario yeah. of Lashon Hara when you're allowed to, what you're allowed to say and all the various violations so he, at Yisrael Salanta, he wrote, he wrote it when he was young, times, one of his first uh, books that he wrote, and he went, this is in Lithuania, 1910 or something. So he went to get, in, in, if you've ever seen Hebrew Jewish books, there's what's called a, a approbation. In the first page, um, usually a rabbi, when you're publishing a Torah book, you get an approbation from another rabbi. It's greater than you saying that this, the content there is, is, is worth reading. Okay, so it's like, uh, you know, like on the back of the novels, right, so you have blurbs. Okay, so in, in usually a rabbi writes a letter. Usually the biggest rabbis of the generation, you bring them the book, your book, and they give an approbation, it's called. Um, so he went, the Chavetz Chaim went to Rabbi Yisrael Salander and gave him his sefer, gave him his book on the laws of Lashon Yisrael so, said, give me a few days, I'll read it. Come back to me in three, four days, and I'll let you know. You know if I'll give my letter. Rishol Santa was the founder of the Muslim movement. So Rishol Santa read the whole book. Chavetz Chaim came back four days later, and Rishol Santa said, "It's an awesome book. The book is beautiful, but there's one law in here which, because of that law, I can't give approbation." Who's the law? This is the law. Read E. Chavetz Chaim says in his book, he says, "If one has spoken badly about his dearest, the most beloved friend, in a moment of weakness, he relates something neg- negative about him to another, he must do tshuva by revealing transgression to the friend." Chavetz Chaim says, you have to go and demean yourself, tell your friend what you did to him, and get forgiveness from him. So Yisrael Salanta read that, and he said, I, I disagree vehemently, and I cannot give an approbation in the book. So the Chavetz Chaim, the story goes, there's different versions of the story, the story goes um, that the Chavetz Chaim said, okay, listen, give me a letter, and in the letters you can say, this one law you don't agree with, write the letter of approbation. He said, no, he said, if you keep that, lo- that law in the book, I cannot... I cannot uh, condone this book. And he wouldn't give until today. The Chavetz, there was no Haskama. Chavetz Chaim has five approbations on his book. He does not have one on Yisrael Salanter. Because Yisrael Salanter says, it's the next paragraph, he says, one is not permitted to fulfill a mitzvah and gain tshuva. Meaning it's selfish. I want tshuva. I want repentance. Yeah. I want God to forgive me. So I'm going to cause my friend pain to get tshuva. Right? So the woman's going to go to her husband. He has no idea. He's happily married. Now he's going to find out she had an affair six years ago. One night stand. It's going to destroy their marriage. They have kids, right? So you're, because you want to repent, you're going to destroy your marriage, destroy your kids, right? So, says Yisrael God forbid. That's selfish. Because you want to do tshuva, don't, don't hurt other people in your tshuva process. Says he, to reveal his transgression to his lifelong friend who felt love as a brother is an act of cruelty. It's, it's a sin. He's saying your forgiveness is going to be a sin. You're destroying someone else. Okay, so this is a, it's a unbelievable, it's a major argument um, between these two uh, authorities, two major authorities, Chafetz um, Chaim and Yisrael Salant. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that. Beautiful story. Um, Do you have an opinion on this, or you don't care to give it? 
between these two? Well, I have an opinion between these two. Well, you're, well, you're allowed, listen, your you're opinion on, on the subject, doesn't that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying, so listen, there's no things. question that Yisrael Salanter makes more rational sense. Okay. Rational, I think so, too. It makes, but that doesn't mean we rule like it. But the Chavetz Chaim, <laughs> so by the way, the Chavetz Chaim, by the way, said, he bases Why? his opinion on a, on a Risha, uh, it's coming called Rebbein Yonah of Grundy, who, was, who wrote a book on Musar, and he writes there um, this, this statement, he, the Chavetz Chaim understood him to make, be making the statement that you need to ask forgiveness. So the Chavetz Chaim didn't say, told Rishon Salat, it's not my opinion. It's to Ben Yonah of Grundy. Ben Yonah of Grundy was a, a, a Musar book. It's a Musar book. And you said, what's his name, Salantra? Sorry, sorry, I got lost a lot of it. You said Salanter was the head of the Musa movement. So yes, no, but but uh, much later, okay. the Musa movement didn't start till the 1700s. So Biona Benyav Gandhi lived in the 1450s, um, way before, and he was a Risha. Um, but anyway, so that's so clearly according to so the, getting back to the two scenarios, it would specifically be dependent on these two opinions. Should you go and, and uh, ruin someone's marriage? That's a, that's a different issue. Um, yeah, we don't know the or ruin, the a, ruin a relationship with no, a so friend or a family look. member or something. Uh, opinions. So it's opinions. It's baby. No, but, but it, it, listen, I can, tell us, I can tell you, let me just tell you. <laughs> when I called in this specific scenario, when my wife called me and I panicked, she was panicking, I called, I panicked. So I called this rabbi in Chicago um, who I deal with, and he, so he told me she should not say a word. That's what he said. So I said, how she wants? How does she do tshuva? She wants to know how to do tshuva. So he said, there's nothing she can do. She can just pray. She just has to ask Hashem for forgiveness. She can't. Uh, there's nothing she can do. That's what he told me. He said, she, she should not say anything. By the way, there's, this, is, this has precedence. I found there's a tshuva written in the 1700s in response by the No Debuda, who was the chief rabbi of Prague at the time. So Lando. So there was a scenario where a uh, a border was staying in someone's house. A Shiva boy was bordering in someone's house, which was common in those days. And he had an affair with the with the head of the household, a woman. And then, like five years later, he ended up getting engaged to the daughter. Oh the same family? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. okay. So he came to the, so this this chatan, this groom, then comes to know you before the wedding, to the rabbi, and he says, "What should I do?" Like. I had an affair with the mother-in-law five years ago. Because you're not allowed to do right. that. Now to marry. Married, now that he had an affair with the mom. Yeah. You're now to marry. You're now oh, to have a relationship with a woman and then her then? daughter. Oh, he's supposedly not allowed to do that. Even though the other view that said, he said he should, he should not say anything. He should get married. Married, you know, no never, I mean, that's a hard secret to live with your wife. Oh, like, oh. Yeah, but uh, that was before the marriage, so that was just yeah, an affair. It wasn't a forbidden... No, but she was a married woman. She was a married woman. There's a biblical prohibition of having relations with a woman. So the reason is, it's yeah. an interesting thing, because by the way, even an affair with a man, uh, meaning, let's say this case, an adulterous woman, the law is, biblically, if she has an affair, she's not allowed to live with her husband anymore, or with her lover. You're not allowed to marry, stay married to your husband. Now, now but, there's a, it's interesting, not, not relevant to the topic, but there's a principle in Jewish law, which is, we don't believe someone when they say bad about themselves. So if I say, let's say I come to class and say I violated Shabbat this week, we're not allowed to believe you. In a Jewish court of law, it's not acceptable evidence. person is not believed on self-admission. Okay, so we technically don't believe the woman. You know, it's meaning if this woman would come to court and say, I had an affair, she's not believed unless she could bring two witnesses to the fact 
it's not admissible evidence in a Jewish court of law. Therefore, she's allowed to remain married to her husband, technically, because it's not admissible evidence. Um, so, any, so that works. So any wrongdoing, you must have two witnesses see you do it. Yeah, we don't. Well, no, admission is not never admissible. Admiss, uh, admission is not admissible like in a Jewish court of law. It's like self-incrimination. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. They did tell me. I, so I it doesn't matter if you rabbi. Now, take all the money out of if there it's and a, and if it's say, I could know it's true. So I have to worry about it, meaning me, I know it's true because I had the affair. But the other person, meaning the husband, doesn't have to believe or the court of law, the rabbi doesn't have to believe. If a woman comes to the rabbi and says, I had an affair, she means. Okay, so without the witnesses, she doesn't have to be believed. Exactly. So I just want to finish because we're off and I have another class at 1.30. What about forgiveness? I got another class at 1.30, so we got to finish. Um, the, the, this is very, just, so what do you do in this situation? So let's say we go like Rabbi Yisrael Salat's opinion, which we're saying, let, let's yeah. assume that that's the accepted view, like the rabbi told me, so you don't, so what do I do? I did something, I said Lashon to my friend. So what, what they say is, and this is quote number eight here, he says, when one seeks forgiveness from his friend, he must specify the nature of his wrongdoing. If he feels that specifying the sin will embarrass his friend, like we're saying, harm him, he should ask for general forgiveness. So let's say you're a spouse, and the spouse had an affair. And you, listen, you're not going to go, like you said, you don't want to ruin your marriage, you have kids, you, it's a terrible thing. So what you can do is go to your spouse and say, listen, did a lot of, you know, crap this year, it was a bad year, we had a t- tough year, a lot of tension in our marriage. So I'm asking for general forgiveness. So... According to some opinions, general forgiveness works also. It means if you go to a person and you don't tell them exactly what you did to them, you say, listen, in case I did something to you, and I probably did, I'm sure I spoke Lashon about you, and I, you know, I don't remember what it was, you know. So that, according to some opinions, will work. So you can get your forgiveness without going through, listen, if it's not a situation where you're going to harm the person, you have to specify. So you have to specify what you did. But in case where you know specifying it will cause harm, so at least go and ask for general forgiveness, which, which according to some opinions, helps. Okay, now I'm going to end there because i got to go. That's like a compromise. What about email? Email call? So no, email. So again, most opinions that I saw say you can't send out a mass email. Part of the process is being personal. Part of the, some say, by the way, part of the process of forgiveness is the fact that you have to demean yourself and come to the yeah. person and tell them. Yeah. Because that's part of the forgiveness. I mean, it's not just like a person says, forgive you. It's you being humble about it and you yeah. admitting you did something wrong so to this person's face. It depends. I mean, again, it's really, there's no, there's no halacha about it. It's if, if it's, there's, no. the emotion is there. Or meaning where you're really uh, in, it's sincere and that's implied in the email that you're sincere about your, your that you feel bad about it and the person understands so then it could work it's really it's not it's not a black and white you know that's what I think there's no uh, but emails are a little impersonal you could at least try to call them right you have been listening to the mp3 project from the Jewish Ethic Institute for a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom.